Welcome one and all to Chasing Cutoffs, bringing you the trail running news and views from the back of the pack. Well, hello again, friends. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ben Mead, your hobbled host, and I am so excited this week because we have a very special Thanksgiving episode for you. Thanksgiving, of course, widely celebrated in the USA. I know for our Canadian listeners, you did this about a month ago, <laughs> but it's an awesome time to express gratitude and to gather with family and friends, and I hope you are getting a chance to do that. And I have some awesome content for you this week for your turkey trot, for your Thanksgiving training run. We are bringing back Race in Pieces, the fan favorite, and we have not only one volume, but a bonus. We have two volumes this week, two athletes, two stories, two races, and it's going to be Awesome. We'll be right back. I would, of course, be remiss if I did not express some gratitude of my own. I am super grateful this year on this Thanksgiving and super grateful for all of you listeners. Obviously, my family has been huge this year for me, and I'm just so, so grateful to be a dad and a husband and a dog dad. There is a individual who is here in the room with us now, as always, the intrepid producer Daisy. I am so grateful for her and all of her contributions to the podcast. You have no idea. And to you, the listener, thank you so, so much for listening, for providing feedback, for being generally awesome back in the pack kick-ass runners. Thanks. Let's get back to the show. Well, I'm super excited to get our double feature race in pieces kicked off, starting with Amanda Kelly. Amanda, welcome to Chasing Cutoffs. Thank you. Glad to be here. Where are you from, by the way? Where, where are you calling into the show today from? I'm in Magnolia, Texas. I'm about 30 miles north of downtown Houston. Okay, Magnolia, Texas, right on. I was really interested to see your finish at a recent race. And then the further that I dug in to your racing history, the more like eye-popping some of these results are. And you know, some of these race results that I'm seeing date back to say like 2019, but have you always been a runner? I started running in junior high or middle school or whatever we called it back in the 80s. And it kind of just stuck a little bit here and there. I ran um, just kind of sporadically over the years and then really picked it back up when, um, when COVID hit. And that I think is a very common story for a lot of us because, you know, so much stuff was shut down and we didn't have a lot of options and it's like, oh, maybe I'll start running. Right. But why trails? How did you even know that that was a thing? Why not just hit the road and be a half marathoner like everybody else in the world? So I did that half marathon thing for a while um, and I really liked the half marathon distance. In 2018, I started with some um, with some former family members, my ex-in-laws, and we decided we were going to run a half marathon every month. Whoa. And so while we were training for that, we started running at a local park, uh, not too far from where I live now. And we would run the pavement, but we were always kind of enticed by the trails that were back in the back. Mm. So one day we just decided to go for a run back there. And then I was just kind of hooked. I just, <laughs> I've never looked at the pavement the same since then. That's awesome. And so the discovery process begins at that point. This is 2018, you said. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out that trail running was a thing? Did you have any friends? Did you just do like a YouTube rabbit hole or what? what, what was this? You know, I really didn't have anything to base it on. I just found the trails and started running and I thought, okay, this is really fun. And then the next spring, my two former sister-in-laws and I decided we were going to join Cypress Running Club just so we could have some support for long runs because we were going to go out and run a couple mm. of marathons and 
as I got into the running club, I discovered the trail group and then registered for a couple of trail races. And then really the end of 2019 is where I started running trail races. And then 2020, I just kind of went crazy with the trail races. (laughs) On the topic of going crazy, (laughs) this is pretty eye-popping when you look at your ultra sign-up results, because from August of 2019 to date, you've already run 27 trail races, which is a heck of a lot. By my count, three trail half marathons, eight 25Ks, three 50Ks, 500Ks or so. This is craziness. So when you jumped in, you jumped in big time. Like what is driving you to do so many races? Well, racing is fun. Um, and I always say that I definitely got in with the wrong crowd. So um, there, I mean, there's definitely worse things you could do, but I just kind of started running with the trail group from Cypress Running Club, the uh, Cypress Wolfpack. And somebody's just always racing. And usually somebody's full of bad ideas. And everybody likes to say that that person is me. But um, <laughs> there, there's just there's so many races that are close by the Houston area that there's never a shortage of race. I mean, every weekend you could go run a race if you wanted to somewhere. I think that's so cool because I don't immediately think of Houston as a trail running Mecca with lots of races to do, but clearly that's not the case. There's lots of races to do out there. Within a few hours. I mean, I say, you know, in the Houston area, I've run races in San Antonio and up near Dallas and a little bit further away, Waco. But for the most part, I mean, you could really you could wake up early, early one Saturday morning, drive to the race and then drive home afterwards if you really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So looking a little bit at some of these past results, which I think will probably feed into our conversation about the race that we're going to unpack. Between August of 2019 and November of 2021, several races really finishing up and down the pack. You had a couple of like sixth place finishes, I think, at some stage and 10th place. So you've definitely got some speed in the legs, depending on the distance. You said you love the half marathon, so I think you're doing like really fast 25Ks. However, here and there, you do finish pretty solidly at the back of the pack, all leading up to Dinosaur Valley, your first official 100-mile attempt, November 2021, and you had a DNF. What happened there? Um, What happened? So I was excited and great and know that course i've done the 25k and the 50k there before Mm -hmm. and hit some parts where there's a lot of climbing and descending and my it band just started not being happy Mm -hmm. about 40 miles in and i fought it and took breaks and did foam rolling and massage gun and i took a nap i did everything i could trying to just get through i had a loop and a little bit left. And I hit that point and I just, I mean, I sat down and I was crying and the person who paced me was, you know, at that point he was like, okay, we're good. Cause he'd been pushing and pushing and pushing, mm-hmm. but, um, it was just, I don't know. My IT band wasn't happy. It just wasn't my race. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. That's I think a common experience, but I think you probably learned a ton from that experience going into some of these additional future races because it was only a few months later when you went and did Jackalope Jam, which correct me if I'm wrong, that's a timed event. It is. And this year they offered a 100 hour race and I had some pretty big goals about going out. I wanted to get 150 miles or 200 miles and got out there and we'd had beautiful weather all the way leading up to it. And then we get out there the next day and it's just freezing and windy and raining. Mm. And we fought that weather for several days. And finally, after the third day, I was having some foot pains and I hit a hundred miles and I went and stayed at a hotel so I could thaw out (laughs) and uh, tried to decide if I was going to wake up and go back out there that next morning. And I woke up and I went out there, but I packed all my stuff and went home. I got my hundred mile buckle. You did it though. I did. You got that hundred mile redemption, which I think is huge psychologically, right? That's amazing. So that was February of this year. Uh, there was definitely a few in between there, some back of the pack finishes. I think you even, uh, at your hundred K at Brazos Bend, you finished on the glorious DFL podium in third, which is awesome in April. Then you went out and did 
Possum's Revenge, the 69-mile trail race out in Grafford, Texas. And that is the race that we are here to talk about because I would love to hear you kind of unpack this. You've had a lot of experience up to this point. You've been doing a ton of races. I would imagine being as experienced as you are in terms of training, you've got it relatively dialed in. Did you have any challenges prior to? So I had some foot issues going on at Jackalope and I told myself I was going to take a nice long break and really be ready for that Brazos Bend race because that was going to be my A race for the springtime. I was trying to Mm. finish in 14 hours. My previous PR for a 100K was 14.30. And so I was going to try to shave 30 minutes off that. And I really thought I could because I spend a lot of time between loops and at aid stations. And I thought I could definitely shave some time off that. Mm. So I work in a school and had spring break off and I thought, oh, well, this will be fun. Let's go to Dallas and run this 50 miler because I've never run a 50 miler before. So I thought, let's go up and run grasslands just for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. Well, all that did was exacerbate the foot issue even further. And then when Brazos came along, I really struggled at Brazos. Unfortunately, Brazos is real flat and it's not technical at all. So I was able to get through it and finish. And I told myself, no more long races. I had a, a couple of little 5Ks and 10Ks planned, but wasn't going to do any long races. And I really just kind of took a break. And so no, going into possums, I was not trained. I was, I hadn't even thought about possums until about two weeks before. And I decided since it was Rob, the race director for trail racing over Texas, since it was his last race and I had just gotten picked to be an ambassador for trot, I thought, well, I'll just go out there. I'll run the 54K. It'll be fun. It'll be easy. Because I told myself after possums last year, I was never running that course again. Mm. So I registered for the 54K and I made the mistake of telling people on Facebook that I registered for the 54K. (laughs) And that's when all the text messages and the Facebook messages started coming in. Just do the 69 miler. You know, you want that buckle. And evidently I'm motivated by shiny things Mm -hmm. and by peer pressure. And so (laughs) about 11 days out, I switched my registration and upped it to the 69 miler. And I hadn't run anything with elevation. I hadn't done anything to prepare for that race leading up to it other than, you know, just normal yeah. few miles here, a few miles there when you're kind of in your off season, because technically I was already finished with racing for the, for the springtime. Mm-hmm. So I went into it with the plan of finishing and getting the buckle and being happy with it. Yeah. So last year I finished in 2045. It's a 23 hour cutoff, which mm. 2045, I was happy with that because it is a challenging course and the weather doesn't like to make it too easy for you either. Mm-hmm. So I would assume the night before you're not particularly nervous, but you're just thinking like, I hope my foot holds up. I hope I can get through this. I just want to finish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for the first time ever, I camped before that race, which was Mm. interesting in itself. Um, So I did everything that they tell you not to do before a race, you know, switching things. And I I camped. I didn't eat my normal breakfast. I didn't go through any of the normal pre-race routines. So I really just kind of jumped into it untrained, unprepared, Let's just go run 69 miles and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So the gun goes off. You're on the start line. How do things start out for you as the race is unfolding? I'm assuming you're not like making rookie mistakes, like going out way too fast or anything like that. No. um, And I think you always do kind of go out a little bit too fast because you're just excited that you're going. But um, this race was a lot different for me than it was last year. Last year, I ran with a friend of mine that is out of Dallas. His name is Andrew. And last year, he and I ran together and we had a plan and I had it, you know, mapped out. The first loop was going to take us this long. And last year, we went out way too fast. And so mm. when we came in, we kind of regrouped. So having done the race before, I knew what I was going into. And so I didn't go out faster than I should have. But in that first loop, I kind of settled into a routine and I was just kind of doing run walk intervals and pretty much resigned to the fact that if I needed to walk a lot more than I normally would, that's what I was going to do because I knew later in the race that elevation was going to kind of get to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this year I ran it mostly by myself. And so that was kind of interesting because I didn't get caught up in, you know, trying to run with somebody and throwing my pace off or anything, but I also didn't have that motivation that you have when you're with somebody Mm -hmm. for, you know, an extended period of time. Yeah. So didn't have a a big support group out there, no pacer, no crew or anything to that extent. 
Nope. Um, in fact, we had a real small group from our run club that went out there. There were four of us and two people were doing the 54K. And then one of the other guys with us was doing the 69 miler, but our paces are, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. So <laughs> I didn't figure I would see them very much. There were a lot of people from Dallas out there. So I was able to run with the group for a little while and then, you know, they would go ahead or I would go ahead. So it was nice to have somebody to run with every now and then, but I basically went into it with no assumptions of having anyone to run with or having crew or a pacer later in the race or anything. Mm-hmm. What was the weather like that day? Um, it was, it, it's real humid up there because um, you're right on the lake. So it was a little cooler than we anticipated going into it. The temperature had been close to a hundred mm-hmm. every day, like high nineties. And it ended up being a little bit lower. Like, I want to say it was like high eighties instead, but still, <laughs> still not exactly pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> cool for us. Probably not cool for you. So you're getting started. You maybe go out just a little bit too fast, just a little bit of adrenaline, but you, you get yourself in check. You're seasoned. You've done this before and you are maybe leapfrogging a little bit with people that you know, but for the most part, you're running this thing alone. Now, this 69-mile course is multiple loops. Is that right? It is. It's four loops that are just over 17 miles. Okay. So how did that first loop go for you? So the first loop, I actually felt pretty good and I was pretty optimistic as I was coming in to the start finish after that loop. And it was Rob's last time to direct that race, but it's being taken over by some race directors that are out of the Dallas area called Mm. Blaze Trails. And Ann, who was one of the directors, was at the start finish when I came in at the aid station and she said that my friend was going to run that second loop with me. So that's one of the people that was doing the 54K Mm -hmm. and she's a lot faster than me too. She just wasn't feeling it that day. So she decided she was gonna go out with me. So when I came in after that loop, I was real excited to go back out because I knew I was gonna have some company and I was, you know, looking forward to not being by myself and having somebody to motivate me through. Um, My foot was starting to hurt just a little bit. So I thought having some conversation would be a good distraction from that. But you get to go out with your friend on your second loop. So how did that second loop go down? So we went out and um, like I said, she's a lot faster than me, but she wasn't feeling it. And at that point I was kind of not feeling it either. I hadn't really been feeling it since the beginning. And so we went out and we ended up walking a lot and taking some pretty pictures of the lake. And we ran into a friend of mine named Lydia and Lydia stayed with us for a little while. And then Lydia kind of went her separate way and I stayed with Leanna. And she stayed with me until about, I'd say, 11 miles into that loop. And then she was like, you know, I just want to finish this. And up until then, I'd been okay. But when she split off and went and finished, and I was by myself for that last five or six miles, I, uh, I started really talking myself out of it. And when I came in after that second loop, I sat down for probably... 20, 25 minutes and changed socks and, you know, did a couple of necessary things, but I was really, really having to talk myself into going back out there for that third loop. And I don't think anyone would blame you for pulling the plug, right? You have this injury, it's reoccurring, you're already feeling it. You've only finished two of four loops, you're only halfway there. No one would blame you for stopping, that is for sure. But you made the decision to keep going. I'm curious why. You've got nothing to prove. You know you can do 69 miles if you're not injured and if you're having a good day. So why go back out? So we had a canopy set up and Isaac and Leanna, the two that were doing the 54K, had already finished but Ann, the race director that I mentioned before, and a couple of other people were sitting underneath our canopy, just kind of enjoying watching everybody as they're coming in. There's a long stretch of a gravel road that you come in um, when you exit the trails and you head toward the start finish. So you get to see everybody as they're coming in and going out. And uh, Ann and some friends were sitting under the canopy and I sat there for a few minutes and she really gave me the pep talk about getting back out there. And Mm. if she hadn't been sitting there, if the canopy had been empty, you know, everybody else was already out either on their loop or finished, I probably would still be sitting there right now. But she really motivated me to get back out there. You got a whole nother half of a race ahead of you and you're going to be running it, at least as far as you know, pretty much alone at this point. So you head out 
on the third loop. What happens? So six miles in, I ran into Isaac and Justin. And Justin is the other one that was running the 69 miler. And Isaac had just finished the 54K. And he was pacing Justin at the time. And I was headed out or and they were headed back in. There's several out and backs. And I looked at Isaac and I said, I'm not going back out there for the fourth loop. And mm-hmm. he told me to get out of my head and we'd talk about it in a little bit. I'm guessing he meant whenever I finished that loop. <laughs> and of course, when I finished that loop, he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> but um, just a few minutes after that interchange, I ran into a couple of people and I was able to kind of piggyback off of them. And mm. I didn't really run with them, but I was close enough to them that they kept me motivated. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're, you're tired and you're hurting and it's starting to get dark. And the last thing you're thinking about is finishing this loop and doing another 17 mile loop. Absolutely. Because it's so hard mentally to do multiple loops if you're not feeling it, because you always have that out, right? You have three times where you could have pulled the plug. You're now rolling in to the uh, start finish again for the third time. And like you said, he wasn't there to have this chat with you. So who was there? Was it totally empty when you rolled in and had to make that decision to go out for the fourth loop? So I went to the canopy and I sat down after I hit the start finish aid station and Justin, who um, was doing the 69 miler, he had a friend that was there that came to help crew him. And he asked me what I needed. And I said, I don't need anything because I'm not going back out there. And I sat there for a couple minutes and I hadn't, you know, stopped my watch or taken my shoes off yet. So I'm not sure how convinced I was that I wasn't going back out there. But just a couple minutes after that, a friend of mine named Lydia. So Lydia came over and she sat down and she was like, look, I don't have a pacer. You don't have a pacer. Let's just go run this loop and get this over with and get that buckle and move on. Mm. And so we got our stuff together and figured it out and we headed back out and I'm pretty good at, you know, trail math. And so I'm looking and I'm like, okay, we got to do this, this, this. And I was like, okay, I think we could pretty much walk this whole loop and finish it. It's not going to be pretty, but if we have to walk the whole thing, we can. And so we headed out and we did a lot of walking. We ran when we could but we were both just at the point then where we just really wanted to finish and we were gonna make sure that each other did. Absolutely. And so how close did you finish together in this race? Like a second apart. (laughs) We we literally crossed the line together. We said we were gonna run across the finish line, hold hands and we did. Oh my gosh. And so of course you claimed the official DFL at this race. This is, to my knowledge, your very first DFL finish. Is that true? It is. And as you said, what made it so special was that this was Rob's last Possum's Revenge. Was he there at the finish to hand you that medal? He was. And so when I finished that race, it was me and Lydia crossing the finish line. My friend Justin was there. Some of the Dallas people that were camping were still there. But all four of those race directors, Rob, Cal, Ann, and Chris, they were all at the finish line. So it was was a big crowd for almost five o'clock in the morning at that finish line. It was pretty monumental. It's a finish I'll never forget. Yeah, that's incredible. That is so cool. You've had a little bit of time to reflect. And I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts about being a back of the packer or finishing DFL, particularly because you've had some races where the distances were shorter, where you were quite speedy. So is this something that you've thought about or processed? So... (laughs) I just haven't had the time, I don't think, to really thoroughly train for a race like a 69 miler or a 100 miler to truly be successful. Mm. My job is pretty demanding. I'm assistant principal at a middle school, moving into high school. So I don't have normal hours and I can't always run every Tuesday and every Thursday or do back-to-back long runs every weekend. So you know more training, more time, more effort, if that time existed, which it basically doesn't for you. But if it did, I could potentially be a lot faster. But that's not your reality. 
because of your reality and your situation with work and time and, and everything that you have going on, you are finishing consistently at the back. You have this DFL official finish now. Is that something that you are proud of or something that you're like, I, you know, I want to kind of like put this in the back and get past this and push forward and try and get faster? You know, it doesn't really bother me. I know that if I really wanted to, I probably could finish faster. But a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Hannah, she's a a crazy triathlete person. She's finished an Ironman and several half Ironmans. And the other day she did one that she kind of wasn't really prepared for. And she said, as she was on the run, all she could think of is, you know, if you finish a minute before or if you finish two hours before you get the same medal. Mm. And so that's kind of how I look at it. I'm Mm -hmm. competing with myself. And, you know, if if I'm able to do more and to finish higher then great. But if not, I love the trail community. And I just like getting out there and the loop that I spent with Lydia and crossing the finish line, holding hands, you just can't replace that. That's awesome. So That's what it's really all about. That is really awesome. So it's been a few months since the race went down. How's the foot? Well, it's better, but not perfect. It's it's better on shorter runs. It's getting there, I think. And still a bit of a mystery, though, in terms of like what's actually wrong, which is always is. super frustrating. And it's a mystery about when it hurts and why it hurts. And it's not, I, I, I don't know. It's, we'll see. Yeah. I think I'm going to go see a different doctor mm. and see if they can find something that my podiatrist couldn't. But you are not done. Tell the listeners at home what is next for you. I'm registered for the 100 miler again at Dinosaur Valley. I just got a job at a high school. And so I don't know what that's going to look like, you know, changing Mm. schools, changing districts. I don't know if they're going to let me take off to travel the day before Thanksgiving break. Mm. My previous school, I'd been there for a while. So I kind of got away with some things that I wasn't really supposed to (laughs) in terms of the days that you're allowed to take off. So we'll have to see what happens with that. And then um, I'm registered for the 50 miler at Brazos Bend. But if something happens that I don't get to go to Dino, I'll change that to the 100 miler because I'd like Ah, to get 100 miles in. You want to get that official 100 mile buckle, not just the timed event, but the official race. Yeah. Well, we are all pulling for you. And speaking of ambassadorships, I didn't realize that you were a trot ambassador, but I know you were an ambassador for a few other things. Who do you represent? So I represent Mind Over Matter, I'm an alpha for Mind Over Matter, a trot ambassador. And then I am an ambassador for pro compression and also for Outweigh. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff to hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll give them all a a shout out when we release the episode. But I'm just really excited that we got to do this and unpack this race. Again, congratulations. You really gutted it out. You got a friend at the end to help you get over the finish line. A really cool story. And I just appreciate that you came on to share it. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show. Part two of our Race in Pieces double feature is imminent. And I'm so excited to introduce all of you to Seattle's Immaculate Moshe. Immaculate, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are diving in to another volume of Race in Pieces, and we are going to be talking about the 2022 Sawtooth Ridge 50 Miler, which is a crazy race to jump into. (laughs) And we'll talk about why. But before we unpack the race, tell the listeners at home a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. So I'm Immaculate. I have been trail running since um, last year, (laughs) Uh, specifically for last year. And I jumped like from half marathon racing to 50 mile racing this summer. So Uh, (laughs) (laughs) half marathon on the road to 50 miles in the mountains. (laughs) Yes, to 50 miles on the mountains with lots and lots of birds. So I feel like I, I I just went into the deep end real quick uh, with trail running. Yeah, and besides that, I I love all things outdoors, running, biking, uh, hiking, whatever. And 
by day I'm a software engineer, so I try not to stay on my computer when I'm not working. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I know what that's like. The zoom fatigue is very real. You know, mm -hmm. I mean? it's like once you're done with work, you just got to get outside. Exactly. So you had been running on the roads for some time mm -hmm. and you said you had done a half marathon. Did you ever do a full marathon on the road? I did and got injured. <laughs> Oh, no. Immediately afterwards. So I did like a, my first full marathon was like, I don't know, probably like three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was completely under trained for that. And I ended up injuring myself. And I like, you know, wrote off marathon from my, from my mind. I was like, oh, I'll just <laughs> marathon. It's easy. I can do it. I'm confident in that. But yeah. And where was that race? Uh, it was in Vancouver, BC, actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And what part of the country are you in now? Right now I'm in Seattle, Washington. Right on. So not too terribly far away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you make that leap? Like, how do you even discover this whole, I mean, no one just goes and runs a 50 mile race <laughs> in the mountains. You have to have had discovered it somehow. So where did this all come from? Uh, yeah. So it all started last year, pretty much, you know, the pandemic, it makes you question everything about yourself and your life and everything. And last summer, you know, I was feeling pretty strong. Like I, I was consistently training, not for anything. Um, mm. I just felt like I could do more. <laughs> yeah. And one of my friends told me, like was training for her first ultra, told me about trail running. She told me, you know, you could run on the trail and it's much prettier. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's more difficult, but it's much prettier and it's easier to recover from that. And I tried it once and I got hooked and... I just found myself just spending time on the trails every weekend. So yeah, from that, I met a bunch of crazier people who do crazier things. And <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone crazier than you out there yeah. right, that's done something super crazy. Yes, for sure. So it was all that influence. And, you know, that's how I ended up like racking all the mileages and signing up for my first 50, which fun fact, I signed up for that 50 mile like three weeks before the race. Um. Oh, my gosh. Now, to be fair, this was not your first ultra and it was yes. not your first trail race, right? You had done a couple of previously. I think the very mm -hmm. first thing you did was Deception Pass, 25K, Rain Shadow mm -hmm. Running, beautiful race in Oak Harbor, mm -hmm. Washington in a state park there solid back of the pack finish you've done a few others here and there and then earlier this year in april you did your very first ultra that was the 50k ancient lakes trail run in quincy washington for people that do not know washington this is so radically different than where you live now on this western side of washington where everything's green and pristine and beautiful quincy it's like you're in like in utah or something it looks so it different over there yeah, there's no coverage, no nothing. It's a good thing it was in April because I don't think I'll handle the heat very well. <laughs> there's like mesas and cliffs mm -hmm. and dirt mm -hmm. and deserty. It's very, very interesting over there. So you did your very first 50K. Mm -hmm. And at that time, like you said, you had not even considered doing this 50 miler yet, right? This was this was the main event. How did you feel after finishing that and completing that? first ultra so fun fact it was actually a 55k <laughs> mm -hmm. don't forget that extra 5k <laughs> you know which you know it doesn't sound like much but after around 50k it's like the extra yep. 5K, it just yep. it's like where the hell is the finish line <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was awesome i like running that race because like it was flat um so it was very beginner friendly mm. i had my own worries because uh, at the time I was like severely anemic <laughs> mm. without my knowledge like I was training with severe like uh, hemoglobin deficiency mm. uh, and like one week prior something like that I was like hospitalized <laughs> wow yes because I didn't have blood and um so like I was pretty much forced to taper like I wasn't running much like the two weeks leading up to the race and I wasn't very confident I was actually gonna do 55k so the plan was just to go show up and probably do a 25k if I was able to <laughs> um, yeah and you know that's that's how I ended up running that and I had I really had no expectations except to finish it and um, <laughs> I did back of the park obviously you did finish <laughs> it now you did not quite crush the DFL podium you missed it by one spot finishing yes. fourth from the back <laughs> 
But you did finish it, and that is a huge accomplishment. So let's just start by saying congratulations, because that is awesome. That was just April of this year. Mm-hmm. Were you able then to, you know, obviously in this calculation of whether I'm going to do this 50 miler in July or not, mm-hmm. were you able to recover physically? Were you able to get your, was it iron that you were deficient in? Yes, it was iron for sure. So yeah, I did. I was able to recover and obviously I did some terrible things afterwards after the after Asian Lakes. I, I, I did another 50k, which was like a mountain 50k because I'm very stubborn. <laughs> and you know that that was like two weeks after. So that obviously wrecked my legs. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even this is the secret 50k. I didn't even yeah. know about this one. Yeah. So this one is like run by a local racing company. Um and yeah, it's like eight thousand feet of vert for 50k. So Oh my gosh, what is the name of that race? Squawk Mountain 50k. Oh, wow. Okay. Only two weeks later. So the calculation here, like after you had done this, why did you want to jump right back in two weeks later? Because I had already signed up for it. (laughs) Oh, I see. And I I was like, you know, uh, I'm feeling pretty strong. (laughs) Okay-ish. And I'm just gonna, you know, give it a shot because like this is one of the races that I was like I train on that mountain a lot so mm-hmm. like it is one of those things that will be of sentimental value to me to just like finish that 50k you know and yeah like I had changed my mind a couple of times like in that span of two weeks I was like do I do the half marathon do I do the 50k do I do the half marathon do I do the 50k like, I feel like <laughs> a few days before I was like I'm feeling pretty strong I think I can do 50k and I did sign up for it I mean, change back to 50K and, you know, no expectations as well. It's like the cutoff is 10 hours and I'm, I just want to make the cutoff. And <laughs> I did. Nice. <laughs> By two minutes. Um. <laughs> By two minutes? <laughs> yes. Uh. That's awesome. Yes. And this is Squawk Mountain, correct? Yes. So for those that don't know, because not mm-hmm. all of our listeners are in the Pacific Northwest or even in the U.S., mm-hmm. if you've heard of the Issaquah Alps, this is one of those hills, right? Right. Yes. So you've got Cougar Mountain and you've got Tiger Mountain. And, you know, I think people hear about the Issaquah Alps or the Izzy Alps that aren't even from around here because people will write about them. I think I remember Scott Jurek writing about the Issaquah mm-hmm. Alps in his very first book. Right. So mm-hmm. same vicinity, really not far from the city of Seattle mm-hmm. at all. That is awesome that you got that done and finished with two minutes to spare. Were you actually DFL? Was there anybody behind you? I was actually DFL. Well, there was like two people behind me for the for like a few miles. I think they dropped. Um, oh wow! Yes. Well, congratulations. That is killer. I earned my place. <laughs> So even at the end of that race, mm-hmm. now that you have crushed DFL in your second 50K, two weeks after your first one, you still had not signed up for Sawtooth Ridge. No, not really. Because after that, I was like, I'm going to take my time to recover, like, you know, get this iron up. <laughs> yeah, good plan. Good plan. <laughs> You know, get my legs to recover because, you know, my knees had, were completely like broken after that. Um, so yeah. I just took the time to recover and like I'll, I'll just sign up for races as, as I feel ready. And at the back of my mind, I was like, I, I want to do a 50 miler, you know, <laughs> at some point, eventually, like that is the goal. Yeah. Right? So right around June, I was like, I was training consistently, feeling confident-ish. And then I came across Sawtooth Ridge and I saw the cutoff was 18 hours and I, was, mm. I can walk three miles an hour and finish. Right. You're thinking, okay, <laughs> that's pretty generous. Yeah, that's pretty generous. So that's the, that's the only reason I signed up for that one, probably because, yeah, the cutoff was just very DFL friendly um <laughs> so you decide to jump into the race did you jump in with any friends that were going did you have a pacer did you have crew or were you just flying solo uh i fly solo like i do most of my are you a part of any sort of specific organized running group there in seattle yeah i'm part of trail sisters shout yeah. out trail sisters awesome yeah so you decide you're gonna jump into this race mm-hmm. you do not have a lot of time to train your body's kind of thrashed mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways right your mm-hmm. knees are thrashed you're trying to get your iron up mm-hmm. did you train or did you just recover in between uh i took like two weeks to recover like no mountain running just baseline you know mileage and 
after those two weeks, I was feeling pretty good. Like new eyes, I even started like seeing a PT, mm. which made a big difference, like in making my legs stronger. Mm-hmm. So after that, I just went back to my usual mileage, which is around like 50 miles a week or something. So like I was pretty recovered by like end of May-ish. That's awesome. 50 yeah. miles a week is no joke. That's yes. serious training. You're doing a lot of running. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Very slowly though, but you know, I can, I can get the mileage. Yeah. There's no shame in being slow. In <laughs> fact, I have to just pause here and say, I love your GitHub blog. It is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And I will link to it in the show notes so people can read some of your thoughts about being a slow runner, which I think are really, really fun. So tell me a little bit about the night before. (laughs) How are you feeling going into this thing? Because this is not close to home. So Mm -hmm. did you travel out there, get an Airbnb? What did you do? Yeah, I drove out there. I drove out there and like stayed in this city called Brewster, um, Mm. (laughs) which, you know, I asked the person, you know, who was hosting, like, what is there to do in Brewster? And they're like, nothing. (laughs) I was in the middle of nowhere. So I had I had lots of things going on in my head. Like first there was the taper tantrums. Like um I don't do well with not running. So <laughs> but I'm glad it was a long drive to distract me from like, you know, my, all the places my mind could have gone to. Yeah. And yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. Like, you know, <laughs> up until the night before, I, was, I, I wasn't really sure if I was even gonna finish it. Like I was just, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was completely unsure. Like it was very nerve wracking. Yeah, that's not easy to do that long drive by mm-hmm. yourself to spend that night. Just like all mm-hmm. you can do is think about yeah exactly. what's going to happen the next day. Exactly. So how far was your the place you were staying from the start line? Did you have to travel in the morning? Yeah, just like half an hour, which is oh, not bad at all. Uh, yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. So when you lined up mm-hmm. on that start line, what time did this thing kick off? It kicked off at 6 a.m. Sun has already come up a little bit. It's summertime in Washington. We're all happy and smiling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this race, interesting, has actually been around for a while, but Mm -hmm. it is under new race direction from Everlong Endurance. This Mm -hmm. used to be a rain shadow running event for, Mm -hmm. for many years. Tell me a little bit about how it started out. The gun goes off. Three, two, one, go. Are you experienced enough at this point that you don't go out too fast? Or how did those first few miles go for you? Yeah, it's <laughs> not very good. So like they say that there was snow on the course, so mm. it would be wise to bring poles. And I don't run with poles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ever. Like when I'm out on trails, if I need a pole, like I'll just use a stick. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't like the extra weight of carrying the poles for just like two seconds. And so I brought my poles and they say that you have to carry them for the first half until you get your drop back. Then after that, you don't need the poles anymore. And I didn't realize like how much I don't like like carrying poles around me. So I've carried them for like the first six miles and it was very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so, so did you have them like attached to your pack or were you just actually using them? Uh, I wasn't. I was just holding them. Um, oh, okay. my pack doesn't have like a proper mm-hmm. like way to position the poles and mm-hmm. they're a bit heavy and they're not exactly like light traveling poles sure yeah so the first half was a bit awkward like yeah <laughs> so they said basically you have to carry your poles all the way to the aid station number four yes which is where the drop bag is this is mm-hmm. the prince creek aid station but you've got three aid stations before then right you've yes. got to get to mile 10 before mm-hmm. you can drop these things so mm-hmm. you were not super comfortable i will speak mm-hmm. from experience uh, mm-hmm. as someone that does run with poles now it takes mm-hmm. a long time to practice with poles to actually even mm-hmm. get comfortable with them so mm-hmm. being sort of forced to use them when you don't want to i can imagine was not fun it wasn't fun at all but luckily enough i got to like the second aid station and i just asked them to like take my poles with them um <laughs> they're gracious enough to allow me to there so oh that's cool yeah then at least i started having fun yeah running free and all yeah which i have to mention like the first 10 miles ish 12 miles of the race was just pure climb like go up until there's no more up um Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So, and the cause wasn't very runnable, so it was a very slow start as well. Mm-hmm. Like the first six miles on the road, which was great, but then afterwards you go into these trails which are either rocky or snowy or something that's preventing you from going as fast as you can. Yeah, for sure. And for the listeners at home, this is essentially a giant loop with a second smaller loop sort of attached to it. So once you were able to drop the poles, as you said, this is still a ton of climbing in this race. This is very mountainous. This is in Okanagan, Wenatchee National Forest. And these are like jagged, rugged, crazy peaks. If anyone's ever been to the North Cascades National Park, they will have a sense of the landscape here that we're talking about. But you're able to drop these poles off unofficially (laughs) at the second aid station. Mm -hmm. And then how did you feel? Were you you feeling a little bit more free or was it just like, oh my gosh, this is such a slog? I felt so free after that. And yeah, like the, the, the next part was uphill first and then downhill. But like, it felt great. You know, there's just one particular river crossing <laughs> they didn't even mention. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> no. I was like, I reached there and I was like, wait, uh, where is the, where are the cause markers? Am I in the right spot? <laughs> 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 yeah, so that was fun. Uh, got, got a little bit wet and yeah, continued on to the next aid stations, which fun fact had brown water, which was fun (laughs) to drink. You know, some of the aid stations are like remote. Right. It's so far out, they can't carry water. So they have to filter water once they get there. Correct. So So it's not the crystal clear bottled water that you're normally used to. No. It was fun up until like the mile 30, like the 50K mark. Mm. Where we get uh, another aid station and that was like where there was like a cutoff of like 10 hours but then after that it was another climb well not really a climb <laughs> it's more like not exactly rolling because it was steep climbs and steep descents um, <laughs> that was supposed to be 10 miles you know just for an out and back mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. turns out it was not it was more like 13 miles <sighs> yeah so that, that that was when i think the real ultra began <laughs> Well, now you've gone into this place of the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. You're moving beyond any distance you've ever done before. Mm -hmm. Anyone who looks at the elevation profile of this race would be, you know, aghast. It is not easy. It is super jagged, up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. So you've gone through this aid station. You're entering this place of like, I do not know. How are you feeling physically? I mean, you've, you've never gone this far before. So physically, I think like... You know, my legs are fine, <laughs> to be honest. But like for the first few miles in that in that section, like I was, I'll, the word is crushing it, um, I would say. And like <laughs> until I, I saw like the male winner, I saw him coming back from the out and back, and uh. I saw a couple of other people coming back, and they started giving me reports. Um, <laughs> Uh, about how long, how much longer it is, and how, like, the cause, it was a lot longer than expected, with a lot more climbs than expected, and the official road was supposed to be 14,000 feet, it is more like 17,000 feet, yeah. and, you know, the out and back, I had done, like, I don't know, I think, like, a mile into that out and back, and they say, like, you had, like, at least 12 more miles to go, um, <laughs> And so that that's when things started to to get serious because um, yeah, mentally, emotionally, that's hard to handle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And mind you, like you've almost been running for the whole day, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I expected like you know I'll get an injury or like you know my my knees will, will you know crack or something, but no, it was mentally. <laughs> it, it's like it was it was all a mental battle from that point on. Yeah, yeah, it was just all you've been doing something for the whole day. Can you keep doing for an unknown amount of time uh, yeah. at the end of the day, literally? So I know from having read a little bit of your blog that you are a type A personality mm-hmm. and that uh, you're someone that appreciates knowing what's going on, maybe mm-hmm. having a little bit of control. Mm-hmm. So anything where it's like, 
Oh, yeah, and the course is six miles longer. Oh, and there's 7,000 extra feet of vert or whatever the case is. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me, right? I know. So, like, when I started hearing those reports, like, my brain just went into, well, <laughs> there are always other 50 miles to do. This was a mistake. Like, you should do easier races. And, like, I was so ready to DNF at that point. Like, it just got to me, you know. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I signed up for 50, 50 mile and not a 56 mile or 57 mile or so. Like towards the end of the autumn back, there is an aid station. And I was like, I'm going to drop from there. Um, that was the whole plan. Because another reason why like it really got to my head was the fact that it was getting dark. Mm. Um, I did the mental math and I was like, I will not make it from this autumn back before the sun sets, obviously. And like, I really don't have experience running trails at night, at least technical trails. Now, I'm assuming you had a light with you. I did have a light, but I have never like run trails. But you didn't have the confidence. Yes. Yeah, that's hard. Especially, I mean, these are not buttery, groomed, buffed out trails. No. These are super technical yeah. trails out there. Super, super technical. Like, you yeah. know, so technical, you just have to like walk the hills, like walk up and down. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, it was that bad. So like in lieu of that, I was just like, I was, I was ready to just, you know, forget about this course and all. Yeah. And what mile were you at when you were ready to pull the plug? I think it was like at mile 37. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Right around there. And I had those thoughts in my mind. I met this, I called up to this other girl who was also like, you know, in the pain cave, I would say, yeah. <laughs> in a similar mind situation, like, when is this going to end? And kind of walked with her for a few miles. But, you know, she she kind of gave me, you know, she, she really wanted to finish the race. Like, she had the mm. determination and, like, mm -hmm. kind of got that from her and, you know, kept my spirits up for a bit. Now, did she say anything to you or were you just inspired by the grit that she was demonstrating? Oh, uh, no, we actually chatted for a bit. So, yeah, her story was like she had DNF'd a previous race. So, like, mm. it was <laughs> this race had to happen whether in pieces or not for her. And <laughs> yeah. At least, you know, at least there was two of us in the same situation. So that was... Yes, that's so helpful. Yes, very. When you get to make fast friends with yeah. a slow stranger. Yes. <laughs> and you get to help each other and motivate yeah. each other to decide to keep going. So you didn't pull the plug. I didn't. I didn't. So I was like, you know, at least I'm going to walk with her, you know, to the finish line. Yeah. But then as we kept going, like the reports we were hearing from the people coming back, it's like, you know, it's not advisable for you guys to like come back out. It's going to be dark. And but she was persistent. She was like, I'm finishing this race, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause you're still under time. I mean, you, yeah. you knew in concept mm -hmm. that you were going to be out there after dark. I have to assume. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of like, you know, rode on her determination for a while there until we got to the aid station and we heard the great news that, A, the cutoff had been extended from midnight to 2 a.m. Whoa, so now it's at 20 hours? Yes. Wow. And because, yeah, because they realized that, you know, the course was a lot longer and a lot harder than they had yeah. planned as well. Yeah. And two, they say, you know, there is an alternative route for you to finish. We were like mile 46 at that aid station. So you could either go back up 13 more miles to the autumn back and then a few more mm -hmm. miles afterwards to the finish line. Or you could take the road back to the finish line, which is exactly eight miles. And you would still get an official finish. Yes. And you'll still get an official finish. You're still going to be over 50 miles. Yes. So this is really interesting because I'm assuming that the race director didn't plan to do that at the beginning, but... As reports are coming in, mm -hmm. as people are finishing and saying this is way longer mm -hmm. <laughs> than as advertised, mm -hmm. they're making decisions on the fly. But I would assume then that the road was not marked. No, it wasn't. And when we say road, are we talking fire road or paved road? So half was fire road and then it meets back up to a paved road which i actually like drove over when i was heading to the race that morning yeah, oh, yeah. so i'm assuming you took the road option to yes. try to shave a little bit off you were yes. still going to get your official finish you were mm -hmm. still going to get your 50 miles mm -hmm. did the woman you were running with join you or did she go back on the standard route oh uh, no she also did the same thing but she just flew <laughs> 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 
She's like, see you later. Yeah, she was just like, see you later. And uh, yeah, she just like flew. No, she, was, she was so happy to just like finish it. Was that scary for you to go on an unmarked route for eight miles? Kind of. <laughs> Kind of. So, yeah, at that point, I have to mention that my watch was also running out of battery. I wasn't even sure how many miles like into the road because they say like run like four miles and then turn left. Oh, my gosh. There's a turn. (laughs) Yes. And then turn left on the road. And, you know, right after I left that aid station, my my watch obviously ran out of battery. So there was no way for me to know where to turn. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was in the dark and I tend to hallucinate a lot of times. Uh, I I was hallucinating there for a bit. (laughs) And what did you see? Oh, I I see a lot of things. Sometimes like I see a backpack when there is a stone. Sometimes Mm. I see like I see a person standing when there is a tree. It always happens. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially in the light of a headlamp, right? Mm -hmm. Things get very strange. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) Fortunately, my phone was working, so I kind of estimated from my pace, like going going downhill, like I was like, okay, so four miles would take me around this much time. So once I reach that point, I know I have to turn left. And fortunately for me, it was the end of the road. I was like, thank goodness. Cause- <laughs> oh, so it came to a T. So there was no question mark about where you were supposed to be. Well, there was kind of a question mark. So bef- like a bit before that, there was another turn from the road and I almost took that turn. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, I was like, I'm going to go and up farther and see if there is another left turn and you know because based on your calculation you probably hadn't gone far enough yeah so i did i did like run a bit further and i saw the the junction and where like it meets the road and i was Mm. like yeah this road feels familiar so that's what that's the one i took oh my gosh and you're out there all alone doing (laughs) these last eight miles yeah yeah so tell me about the finish line experience Oh man, like uh, that is an experience I won't forget. I ran, walked along the road for like those four miles, and you know, when you don't have a watch to tell you how many miles you've done, it's, it's always a guessing game. Is it there yet? Is it there yet? You know, mm-hmm. how many miles have I done? You know, it's like you ran for 0.2 miles and you think you've done a whole mile. Um, but yeah, eventually I got there and like. Oh my god, it was like the best feeling ever. And like, you know, the volunteers, the race organizers were just out there cheering for us. And like, you know, we got the biggest cheer of all, I think. The the few of us who were finishing last and it felt so good to finally sit on a chair. (laughs) Yeah. And of course you crushed Mm -hmm. second Mm -hmm. on the DFL podium. Mm -hmm. So there was one person behind you. Did you get to stick around and watch the final finisher? No, I didn't. I I saw them coming down from the road when I was driving back. Oh, wow. So they were way behind you. Yes, I did stick around the aid station just to, you know, to see the other finishers because there are also other finishers who are coming from like the real hard ride this day. (laughs) It was a great feeling. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. So looking back. Mm -hmm. Any regrets? Do you think, gosh, I should have chose something easier? Or do you feel super proud of yourself? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Both. Like, I'm glad I was able to, like, tick off 50 miles from my list of things that I want to do. Yeah. And I do regret that I did this for my first one, because then it ruined the whole 50-mile experience for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I still have the, you know, the arts through a 50 mile, but I'm going to be wise next time and choose something mm. a lot more easier. Something that won't, you know, take me 18 hours to finish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, well, in classic immaculate fashion, uh, you are signed up for multiple races before the end of the year. This is super crazy. You are really, really going for it, which is awesome. Yeah, I do like to to like do at least a race a month, you know. Oh wow. Yeah. I think that that pace works for me, you know, in terms of like I can, you know, recover and like do some training before the next one. And like it gives me something to look forward to. Absolutely. An opportunity to like see like new trails because otherwise I'll end up running in the Isapa Alps, which they're great, but you know. <laughs> 
But when it's your home trail, they're great for training, but you don't want to race there, right? You yeah. want to venture out a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. And speaking of venturing out, have you decided if you're going to take on 50 miles again or are you just going to blow right past that and go for something longer? I think 50 miles is my is my peak. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I say that now. But uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like 100 miles and all, like, you know, I'll have to get comfortable with running in the dark. That's one. Yes. Yeah, that takes practice for takes sure. practice for sure. Then maybe I'll... I'll be confident to run a hundred miles. Well, for someone that just started a year ago, I mean, yeah. you're doing incredible things. Absolutely incredible. And if people want to follow along your journey and continue watching you as you take on these adventures, how can they find you? So I'm at Immaculate M on Instagram. And yeah, my account is basically just true. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of running. <laughs> Yeah, and I sometimes like write blogs on the Trail Sisters app or on my blog, so... Yeah, absolutely. And I will link to the blog. And I just want to say, you are awesome. You are incredible. And Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on the show and telling your story of this race. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Immaculate, for coming on. I am so grateful, listeners, that you are listening. I am just really excited to continue to bring you these incredible athletes and incredible stories. And I wanted to let you know that we have received yet another awesome review of the show. If you listen to the show on an Apple device, it is incredibly helpful if you rate and review the show. In fact, we're currently sitting at 30 nine reviews. I'm going to put out a challenge to the listeners. If you do listen on an Apple device, if you could go in and rate and review, let's see how quick we can get to 50. I'll make the official announcement when we hit 50 reviews. Uh, but the one that I wanted to feature this week was from Long Run Dude, who wrote in and said a podcast for us, the back of the pack. His comment says, I listen to many running podcasts, and this one is a very good addition to the list. Beyond stories of races, Ben has a talent to make people's stories very interesting to listen to. I appreciate that. It's really refreshing to hear from others than elite runners that get so much attention. I hope this pod will go on for a long time. Well, we are hoping the same thing, long run, dude. And thank you so much for writing that review is very kind of you. If you have the opportunity to do that and you have not done it yet, I would really appreciate it. Until next time, wherever you are at in your back of the pack running journey, from myself, producer Daisy, and all of us at Chasing Cutoffs, keep crushing the miles and let's flip the script on slow. <laughs>